every day we come downstairs, unlock the door and turn the sign to open, open. Here's another day I give myself a little diarrhea from the worry and the stressing and the hoping. And the hoping that you will enjoy this show, cause this is a movie that I enjoy real well. And it's another Thursday that we all come together and we say we get to listen to another podcast made by Tyler and that's who it is. He's gonna review this one, this and's gonna see that every Everybody knows why Bob's Burger is the greatest show. <laughs> and I, okay, that was enough of the singing. For the, I'm not making this whole podcast a musical. Hello, welcome, everybody, back to another episode of Tyler's Thursday Takes, where we are reviewing the 2022 movie Bob's Burgers. Yes, I know this seems like a bit of a deviation from the type of stuff I normally do, but I personally really enjoy the show Bob's Burgers, and so when there was a movie and I watched it with my girlfriend future wife I was like oh my god I gotta do this for the podcast so let's just go ahead and jump right on into it Bob's Burgers has a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb a very much deserved 7.2 and it's a lot of the main cast that is usually in the Bob's Burgers the TV show the directors uh Lauren Bochard I hope I'm saying that right we have Bernard Derryman, writers, also Lauren and Nora Smith, the stars H. John Benjamin, who of course plays Bob Belcher, Kristen Schaal, who plays Louise, who has a major role in this movie, Dan Mintz, who is Tina Belcher, John Roberts, who is Linda, Eugene Meerman as Gene, and then from there on you kind of have a lot of side characters, but it's basically the same cast um, Nick Kroll even manages to sneak in here as one of the side characters, but it's basically a high production episode of Bob's Burgers, and when I first went into this, I was afraid of it falling into the same type of issues that most animated TV shows that get movies fall into, where they try to do a little bit too much of it, where they have this big budget, so they try to be all fancy, and I will admit there was a, a bit more songs than I thought, but going back and like kind of listening to them, I, I was just kind of caught off guard the first time I listened to it. But going back and listening to them, they're pretty good songs. Like the one that was just playing is the Sunny Side Up Summer. It's, it's really good. It's a fun song. It kind of has everybody who's going to be in the, in the movie pretty much being introduced. And you kind of get a basis of what everybody is worried about and that's kind of what a majority of this movie is everybody just kind of overcoming their own insecurities but enough of that let's just go ahead and get right on into this review so the movie starts off in that wonderful song sequence in which you just heard called sunny side up summer it's the first kind of intro you have into this they're basically talking about how they need to get a loan extension from the bank because if they don't, they're going to repossess all of their restaurant equipment. And so there's a lot of insight into that song about kind of everybody's insecurities for the movie. You get Tina's where she's worried about asking Jimmy Jr. to be her summer boyfriend by giving her a necklace with her beret on it. You have Gene who made this little instrument out of a napkin holder and some spoons and he's worried that people aren't going to like it. And then you have Louise, who's kind of the underlying driving force of this narrative, 
where you can tell that she's self-conscious about who she is kind of as a person. She doesn't go into it too much, but like here's a little clip that can kind of show you exactly what I'm telling you. Shunned every day. I just think I'm pretty great. Yup, that's right. No big deal. I'm not hiding what I feel about some things on my mind. And if they're holding me behind. And so while at school, Tina is looking to go talk to Jimmy Jr. And of course she's not. And there's this little scene where she keeps walking up to them and then walking back. And it's, I kept it in there, or I mentioned it, because you can kind of see everybody's reaction to it, which is a sign of a good animation and a sign of good just kind of presence in a movie that not everybody just kind of stands still whenever something happens. But while they're all outside, Louise is sitting down, and a couple other girls from her class are doing the Dead Man's Drop, where you hang your legs on a pull-up bar, you fall backwards, and basically spin around and, I guess, catch yourself on your feet. And they said, well, why don't you do it, Louise? Are you too scared? Are you a baby? And so Louise, being self-conscious about the fact that she keeps acting like a small kid because of her bunny ears and everything, she gets mad. And she's going to, like, fight them, but then it cuts away to to Bob and Linda and Teddy and Mort all in a shop. And this is after they've heard that they're not going to get the loan that they wanted. And so they're kind of stressing out. And Teddy's like, don't worry, they're having the Oceania Wharf thing down at the down at the pier. There'll be plenty of people coming in. Why don't you just sell to those people? And he's like, yeah, that does sound like a good idea. And so now they, they start up their music because, you know, it's going to go into another song number now. It's going to be the sunny side up. Come on, summer of our lives. And so now there's this little divot in front of their store in the sidewalk. And it turns out that was over a bust water main that's been slowly like leaking out and now all the pressures escaped all at once and created this massive hole in front of Bob's restaurant which means now he can't get people into the store so Fish Odor the guy who owns the entire area he's joined by his brother Felix and his cousin Calvin who's their lawyer they are all they all show up and Felix is like hmm yes what what's going on here a new, a new hole Bob and he's like well can you get it fixed I, I need to serve people food the bank's gonna come and take my my restaurant equipment he's like mm, i'll think about it and so linda manages to get fish odor to agree to give them a month's extension of the rent without having to pay that next month's rent and now there's this whole time lapse thing that goes by with bob just standing in the window because nobody's able to come in because they put up a sign saying you can go through the alley but later in the movie there's even a part where linda says where she makes another sign and it says the alley smells like pee the restaurant does not so nobody wants to have to go through the pee stenched alley to get into the restaurant so bob is just sitting there and goes tonight and he's like linda i don't know what we're gonna do we're not gonna be able to make money and she's like don't worry it'll be fine we'll get it filled in tomorrow and we'll sober all those people and 
You don't need to worry about it. And so the same night, all three of the children have a little, like, not a dream, but kind of like a moment where their insecurities come out more, where Tina starts to worry about how Jimmy Jr. will react to if he says yes, if it'll actually be how she imagines it. Gene is worried that his new instrument isn't going to be as popular as it is. And Luis, who, like I said, kind of drives this whole narrative along, she's worried about how she can prove that, you know, she's not a baby, how she's a big kid and she's brave. And her damaged Kuchikopi, who makes an appearance in this, says, why don't you go into the hole? So she decides to wake up Jean and Tina, and she's going to have Tina record and Jean be like, no, don't go in there to make it look even more, you know, scary. And so she, at the very end, decides not to do it, but the ground beneath her kind of gives way because it is just kind of overhanging. It's not really the actual hole. And she falls down in there, and she's stuck in the bottom. She has them throw the rope down to her, and she's going to try to climb out. And she's trying to get out, and it's all slippery because it's wet mud. And she grabs onto something in the side of the side of the hole, and she's pulling, and whatever she's holding starts to come out. And eventually, what she's holding does fully come out of the side of the wall. What the? So yeah, that's right. It's a full-on skeleton that falls out of the side of the wall. Bob's Burgers, the movie, has a death count of one so far. So, a whole skeleton comes out of the side of the wall. And now Sergeant Bosco shows up. And he's basically telling Bob that, you know, they're not going to get the hole filled in anytime soon because now it's a crime scene. And so that same night, Bob is talking to Linda and he's worried about it. He's like, I don't know what we're going to do, Linda. I've tried calling Mr. Fishholder. He won't answer. I need to see if we are actually going to get an extension on our rent. And as soon as he starts saying that, a news report comes on over the TV, and Mr. Fishholder is being charged for the murder of the person who's in front of the store. It's The reasoning behind it was because the body was shot, and it came from Mr. Fishholder's gun, and so they arrested him. So now Bob is freaking out because his landlord's in jail, his bank loan payment is due in four more days and he has no idea what he's going to do and so the next morning Jean, louise and tina are going to school and that's when louise decides she's going to help solve the murder so that fish odor will not be put in jail he can help them save the restaurant and she can prove that she's brave by solving a murder so they sneak to the back of the restaurant where they get their bikes and they go down to the wharf and they start asking the lady in the ticket booth, they're like, where can we talk to all the carnies? Because they think, you know, probably one of the carnies shot the other carney. She's like, oh, we can find him at Carneapolis. It's down by the old dog food store. And so all three of them go down to Carneapolis, and all the carnies are upset because they're like, you really think that we would kill one of our carnies? Of course it was Dr. Fish Odor. And they have this really good song. It's probably, it, it's tied with the first song and this song but i really like this song also I, I think this is my second favorite but it's called lucky ducks and it's really good and they all just basically start singing about how we we're not good people but we're just trying to make a living and then our boss kills us so how 
why would you suspect any of us of doing anything? Even though we're kind of sketchy gals and fellas, doesn't mean that fish odor can go and kill us. Uh, working here can really be a roller coaster. Uh, One day you're cleaning vomit, next you're on a missing poster. And Louise even has a section of that song. I don't want to play too much of any of it because it's copyrighted. If you want to go listen to them, go listen to it on YouTube. Or go watch the movie. I highly suggest go watch the movie. But she has a part in there where she starts talking about how she's going to solve the murder even though she's small. Basically reiterating the fact that she still feels insecure because she wants people to treat her like she's a big kid. And so they end up leaving, but they get followed out by this really big carny guy and they think that he's going to kill them because that's probably who killed Cotton Candy Dan, who's the guy who was murdered. And they find out that he was just trying to tell them that the night that Cotton Candy Dan was shot, he was there with Mr. Fishoder and Felix Fishoder. So both of them were there. And so now the suspicion goes from all the carnies to, well, maybe maybe Felix did it. He's trying to frame his brother so he can get the wharf and get the money. And so they decide to investigate Felix a little bit more. And so they go talk to Sergeant Bosco. And Bosco basically tells them, oh, there's one thing that the papers don't even know about. The guy who killed him had a banana cufflink with a graduation hat on it. And they're like, yeah, there's no way it could be a carny now then because, well, carnies don't wear banana cufflinks. So... Now they have their new suspect, and they're going to go and investigate Felix Fishoder. But at the same time, it goes back to Bob and Linda, who they don't know what to do with the store anymore. And that's when Teddy comes up. He's like, Bob, come look at this. And he takes them all outside. And outside, he's made a burger cart for them, where they could push it down to the wharf and try to get customers that way. The only issue is that Bob's like, we don't have a license for this. And eventually Linda and Teddy talk him into it. They're like, look, we'll just go down there, sell a few burgers. Like, you don't need a license. It's fine. And before they go, Linda has to change into her marketing outfit, which is the burger and the bikini. It's from this guy. I'm the marketing department. I took Jean's burger suit, let out the crotch a little bit, and bam, I'll push the product while you push the cart. But the bikini. It's summer, and sex sells, baby. Yeah, Bob. Is that sex? A burger with a bikini on it? Ah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're down to the wharf to sell their burgers, and I just wanted to include this clip because I thought it was funny. I, I think a lot of this movie is funny, but I just wanted to put this. This is when they're out front of the wharf with their cart, and Linda's trying to sell the burgers in her burger bikini outfit. See burgers. Lynn. What? You want to eat a burger? You look like a weird streetwalker. Not too much. How's the burger? It's great. I've never eaten outside before. Wait, what? Hi, are you selling burgers? We are. I'll take a cheeseburger. What was it? What made you want a burger? I was hungry. And then you saw a... Cart? And a person dressed as a... She's not with us. Shoo, shoo. No, Bob. Fresh hot burgers. And so now there's a small incident with Hugo. Hugo is the health inspector who always gives Bob a hard time because he wanted to be with Linda, and instead Bob is with Linda. So that forces them to go inside to the wharf, which the incident in itself isn't important. Hugo doesn't come back, but the reason why they're inside the wharf is what's important. So now the kids have gone, and they're at Felix's treehouse, and they're investigating, looking for the banana cuffling. And while they're there, Felix shows up. 
and as they're hiding, they're kind of listening to what he's saying at the same time, and it turns out that him and his on-again, off-again girlfriend, Fanny, are trying to leave the country, and he's making sure he has all this stuff, and so Jean, Louise, and Tina are like, oh, of course he's trying to leave the country, it's because he framed Mr. Fishoder, and so they end up basically following him as he leaves his house, and he goes back to the wharf, and they're confused why he would go to the wharf if he's trying to flee the country, and they follow him in, and they lose him at one point, but they eventually end up finding out that he went into this old, not old, but it's a slower ride called the Molehill. And before you kind of find out what goes on with that, it cuts back to Bob and Linda, who are now inside of the wharf, and they decide to take off the sign, and they're just going to basically pretend to be one of the carnies and sell burgers to people in the Wonder Wharf. And so while they're in there, they're selling, and Bob starts to get a little nervous. He's like, these people are going to figure out that we're not carnies and we're going to get in trouble. He's like, maybe we should move the car. And like, okay, let's move the car. And so they start moving it and they hear a crunching sound only to find out that they ran over and destroyed the memorial to Cotton Candy Dan. So now all the carnies want to absolutely just destroy them. So they start chasing them around everywhere and they end up running away and it cuts back to the kids who are now at the molehill and they watch Felix go into the molehill, and they go up, and they follow in, and the same door that he went in, there's this control panel, and while they're in there, they just start pressing buttons. What the? Where the hell did he go? Ooh, buttons! You know what I like to do with these? Gee, no! Geez, <laughs> good thing you didn't push that one. Mmm, hello, lover! No, 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 no! <laughs> <laughs> So after randomly pressing buttons, they find themselves in this elaborate kind of underground clubhouse thing. And before anything else happens, it cuts to Bob, Teddy, and Linda, who are now hiding behind the shack. And Teddy has the idea, because the carny see them again, he's like, here, I'll go straight, you guys turn. And so basically they get separated. That's just the main point here. They get separated, nothing really of importance happens, it's just they're separated. And so now the kids are all in this underground secret warehouse and Felix Fishoder is there and they're like, oh no, we're alone with him now. What, what's going to happen? And while they're there, not only does Felix come out, but Calvin Fishoder comes out also. And they're like, Mr. Fishoder, what are you doing here? I thought, I thought you were in jail. He's like, no, I bailed out. But now... Me and Felix are going to leave because we don't want to be here anymore. And they're all confused because they're going to try to explain to Mr. Fishoder that, look, Felix is going to try to kill you. He tried to frame you. That's You shouldn't go with him. And the entire time they're trying to do this, they're trying to explain to him, but Gene keeps distracting Mr. Fishoder. Tina keeps distracting Mr. Fishoder. And Louise just keeps trying to tell him, and she just never gets the chance to and she finally pulls him aside and she's going to tell him what she suspects when Grover, their cousin slash lawyer, comes down the slide and he now joins them also. And so now he, she just can't find a way to talk to him by herself. And it kind of keeps going where she pulls aside Grover and she tells Grover, she's like, look, I think Felix framed Mr. Fishoder. I need you. Like, what are you going to do legally? He's like, no, there's no way. They're fleeing the country because Mr. Fishoder doesn't think that he can beat the charges. 
And she's like, but we can prove that he didn't do it and that it was Felix. And so everyone basically ends up getting distracted with each other. Gene starts playing the organ with Mr. Fishoder. Tina kind of talks to Felix a little bit. But then they just kind of decide to bully Grover, Mr. Fishoder, and Felix do. And they're pushing him around. And at this point, Luis has given up. She's looking at all the fancy pictures on the wall of basically the Fishoder family. And she's like, all these rich people just always fleeing the country and everything. Silly rich people who just go to Cuba whenever they get charged with murder. Nobody will help us. Nobody cares. And the real murderer will just keep living their life and... Huh? What the? Grover? Don't want this! No, I don't want her! That shape. Take this thing off me! Holy crap. So Louise sees a picture of Grover, and on his suit, he has a banana cufflink. The same cufflink that was found inside the body of the dead guy. So, she's starting to piece it together, and she sees his arm, and he has a bite mark, and Cotton Candy Dan had a tooth that was messed up that she kept, because, of course, she did. And she notices on the bite mark, it has the same tooth, which means Cotton Candy Dan bit Grover fish odor, because Grover Fishoder is the person who killed him. And so she's trying to get Gene and Tina's attention, neither of which they understand. And that's when Grover ends up looking at her, and he's like, why are you looking at me like that? Why are you just kind of staring? And he notices she's holding something, and he asks for her to give it to him, and he realizes it's the tooth, and he's like, why do you have a tooth that looks like... And he realizes that she has the tooth of Cotton Candy Dan, and the reason that she was looking at him like that was because she figured out that he murdered him. And so now he kind of starts to figure it all out, and he gets a spear gun, and he basically starts holding them all hostage, and he's like, nobody move. And now it cuts to Bob and Linda, who are hiding from the carnies still, and as they're hiding, they see the kids' bikes outside of the molehill, and they're like, what, are, are the kids here? And so... They eventually kind of go to where the kids are, but we don't see that because it cuts back to all the kids and the fish odors. And basically, fish odor, or Grover fish odor, there's three fish odors, so I'm going to try to do my best here. So Grover is holding them all hostage. He takes the other fish odors' phones and throws them away, and he kind of starts explaining kind of why he did what he did, but as he's doing so, help arrives. Now you're in trouble. Our mom and dad are here. And basically he asks why they're here or how they got there. And I just want to include this clip because the whole reason that they fell into the into the secret area the kids did was because Gene just was randomly pressing buttons. Well, it turns out he, he doesn't fall too far from the tree. And their bikes were by some stairs, so we went up and we went into the little electrical place. Yay, buttons! I don't know. Ah! Yeah, Mom! Nope, no cheering. Sorry. So now Grover starts to do the same thing that all super main bad villains do in every movie, is he explains his master plan, but he does it in a way where this part, to me, was really kind of hard to watch. It was kind of cringy. I understand. It's funny. It's funny 
in a short burst, but it just goes on for way too long. A sound! But why are you doing all this? Okay, good question. I'll allow it. Look, I'm not Like I said, it, it's funny in the short burst, but it kind of went on for a little too long. And I made you sit through that because I went through it. And it, it, the, the weirdest thing is, too, because immediately after, he starts singing in a different way where it's more pleasant to listen to. And it still kind of has the funny parts to it. Because there's one part where he's like, A mega park. I will be the biggest mega park and I'll buy and I'll hire the best marketers to do the best marketing. And it's like it's still funny, but it's not all master plan. I mean I'm pretty sure nobody would listen if I did the whole show just like this. So, I mean that's just one of the things where I was kinda like off about it. And he starts telling them his plan about how he wants to basically sell all the shops that are in the near area, including Bob's and all the restaurants, and just make indoor rides, kind of simulation rides, you know, stuff that's more modern, completely get rid of the wharf, and just turn it into this mega park, basically. And Calvin says, well, that's a ridiculous idea. You're an idiot. And so he traps them in a submarine, because the way that the fish odors were going to flee the country, because I forgot to say this because I'm a genius, was they were going to get into this old submarine ride that they had fashioned to make into a real submarine. Only it's not a real submarine, and they would just immediately die as soon as they got into it because it would just sink to the bottom of the ocean. And so now Grover forces Calvin and Felix into, into the submarine, and he's like, I'll just kind of get rid of the kids. I'm going to set the wharf on fire because all the stuffed animals that are in here are incredibly flammable, and I'll make a fuse. It's a perfect plan. And so while Calvin and Felix are in the f inside of the submarine and he's explaining his plan, Calvin is looking at Louise and telling her to activate the, the nipples on the statue <laughs> to open the secret entrance so they can go underneath the pier and drive away and get out of there. And she couldn't do it because she was too scared. And eventually Tina does it. And they all run out, and they get into this car. And honestly, it's one of the most terrifying moments I've seen is when Calvin is running after them in this little secret tunnel air duct thing. Like, I can't play the audio for it because it wouldn't do it justice. But he's so lanky, and the way he's crawling through the air duct just looks absolutely terrifying. And so they go into this big chase scene. Bob and his family get out. They get onto the beach. But in order to get onto the beach, they had to drive off the pier and it kind of messed up the the front of the car a little bit but as they're driving Grover shoots one of the tires with the spear gun basically not making it immobile but making it hard to drive and Bob gets the car all the way back to the restaurant they're trying to get out realizing the door is shut and so Grover decides to push them into the hole 
that's in front of their store, and he's going to start basically burying them with all the dirt that was left there to fill the hole. Oh, no. What's happening? He's burying us. We gotta get out of here right now. Open, open, open. And so now that they're getting buried, Grover manages to put a good amount of dirt on them to where at least they're not visible and they're still stuck inside the machine. And they all kind of start talking to each other. And like, it's sad. There's a lot of parts in this that were really kind of sad and scary. And just the, I guess, the added thought of the claustrophobia. But I'm just going to play some of the parts from because I, I wouldn't do justice. Oh, I've never been brave. Come on, the ears. The only reason I got these in the first place was because I was scared. What, what do you mean? You know, you gave them to me because I was scared about the first day of preschool. That's not how it happened. I mean, you were nervous, and we had this idea to make you the hat. Your, your, your mother made it. It's sort of in honor of my mom, your grandmother. She used to wear this brightly colored winter hat. Even in warm weather. Yeah, it was a little weird, but it was kind of cute, I guess. She she always said it was because she didn't feel like doing her hair. I think she just liked it. And I had extra materials, so, uh, rabbitiest. But I made them after your first day of preschool to celebrate, because you were so brave. So it's a very sweet family moment, and she's basically being told, look, you were never afraid. You were always the bravest kid out of everyone. Bob was like... Heck, you're the bravest person that I know. And, I mean, there's this little funny part. It, it's funny, but it's sad at the same time. I just want to throw this in here also. We're dying. Oh. I mean, since we're just hanging out, alive, under the ground. Uh, I'm going to push on the window with my head. Ow! Uh, this is not working. That's it, then. Look honest. Wait, no, don't you give up. I'm tired, Bob. No! You never give up. I give up. And then you say, don't give up. And I say, okay. And then we do that over and over. And now I'm saying it out loud. That can't be fun for you. Oh, God. Do you want a divorce before we die? I don't deserve you. Nah, I can stick it out. Listen to me. I'm going to do for you what you do for me. I am not giving up. We are going to get out of here. I am going to lend to this. Whoa. Whoa. Dad, are you Fonzie? Yeah, you made the little Cocoa Puffs go on. Coochie Coochie. Coochie Coochie? No. Well, the light's helpful, because we are going to get out of here. How? In a really cool way that's going to come to us. I mean, we're in a car, kind of. What if we drive? So just in this small little moment, it's so good in the fact that almost every character is coming full circle here at the end where Louise is finding out she was never really scared she associated her ears with being a baby and being not brave because she was self-conscious about them but in reality she's one of the bravest people that they know Bob realizes that he's always been the one to just kind of give up and now he's taking charge and everyone's just kind of coming full circle and realizing like if just because you may be insecure about something, it doesn't mean that you can't find a way past it. And so he decides to drive the vehicle, which busts the plastic pipe again, shooting water into the air and freeing them from the hole. But now they're still stuck inside of this car. But Teddy, who was next door at Jimmy Pesto's watching the hockey game, comes out and he knows exactly what to do. <laughs> Oh, what did he say? 
olive bar. <laughs> so yeah, Teddy had put an olive bar onto the burger stand because he was going to put olives on there and make it all real fancy and everything. And he used that to bust them out. They were all free. And Bob tells his family, he's like, I need y'all to stay here. Call the cops. I'm going to go save the fish odors and stop the war from being burned down. And as he starts running away, he finds out that everyone else is running with him. And it's just just really cool, really like heartwarming scene where they're all running with him. And they make it back to the molehill and they need to stop the fuse before it sets the molehill on fire and get the fish odors out from underneath the pier because they're still in the submarine, basically sinking. <laughs> and so... Bob decides he's going to jump over all the bars and everything and try to get there. And he's incredibly unathletic and he's slow. But luckily the molehill is not too far, but he's trying to get there and he's just not doing too well. But at the same time, Louise has hopped on the actual ride itself and is slowly going very slowly towards the fuse in the little cart. And she's determined to try to stop it. And at first she misses it, but she runs all the way back through the cart. And just at the last second, did you get it? Or are we all dead? Yes! And so now we kind of get the big old happy roll-up finish where they call uh, Sergeant Bosco, have him go arrest Grover. They get the fish odors out from underneath the pier. Gene actually ends up being able to play his instrument on the new band shell in the middle of the wharf. Tina actually ends up kissing Jimmy Jr. because he finds her necklace that she lost by throwing it into the ocean because it washed up on shore. And, of course, Louise goes back to the playground, and everyone's making fun of her for not doing the dead man's drop, and she doesn't, and her ears actually end up falling off. But to her, it's not that big a deal. She's just like, yeah, they just fell off. I don't, I don't know what you want me to tell you. And Franz is like, are, are you sure? Yeah, this seems like a big thing. It's like, nope, it's fine. And it turns out Fish Odor gave Bob and Linda the money to pay off their bank loan for the month, not entirely but for the month and then he also gave them that month's rent so everybody's good and happy and that's basically where it ends except for the one after credits scene and I know that may have been confusing, but it's basically Tina, Jimmy Jr., and three zombies on the back of her horse. So, yeah, that is Bob's Burgers, the movie. I will tell you how much I enjoyed this movie, but let me just go ahead and get on into the review of this and knock this out. Well, I already know I'm going to be roasted for my for my ratings on this, but that's just because of the ratings that I had on here from the way that it is, if I could have... If it was set up a different way, I'll give my reasoning for it, but let's just go ahead and I'll explain. So for the plot, I gave it a 3, not only because it has a smooth plot that goes from we need to make sure the restaurant doesn't get shut down to finding a way to get the restaurant not shut down 
it's very linear but the thing that also really helps it is that it's not just that one storyline it's the fact that louise is trying to prove that she's not a baby Jean is self-conscious about not being able to create something that sounds good tina of course just deals with normal kind of teenage stuff where she's worried about not having a summer boyfriend and they all intertwine with each other without feeling like one's just kind of there like yes the ones for Jean isn't as prevalent as the ones for louise but it's still there it's still mentioned throughout the movie and i think they did an absolutely great job of that and it's not just like everything is sunshine and rainbows at the end because fish Older does only pay for like that month's rent because that means next month they're gonna have to do something again to get it figured out so it's not just a flat plot line it's really good it's excellent and i think they did a really good job on it for the acting i gave it a three also yes it's voice acting but i'm also going to put into the i guess cinematography also with it the way that everybody moves especially in the music sequences are really nice it's all fluid it's not just like people are just standing there it's based on kind of how they would move as a person like in the whole lucky duck song they all move very awkwardly and kind of it's it's still clean in a sense but it's not normal and the fact that they are carnies they're not necessarily normal people and i play into that in the voice acting yeah they do reuse some of the voices for some of the characters but it helps it, it plays into it it's i just feel like bob is voiced so well for that louise is very great the uh, linda has a great voice i know it's a man who plays it but it just everybody who voices somebody in this i feel like that to me personally that's why i like the show but i feel like they all just did a great job cinematography also has a three it's a movie it's going to look nice especially in that first song you see scenes where he's cutting the tomatoes frying the fries and it's just so visually pleasing to look at that it's something where even when i first started watching that i was like wow this is this looks really good and it's more than just kind of you know with most animated movies yes they do have an increased production value but it just looks so nice and clean and just all the motions in it it's just you can tell that a lot of effort was put into this and it's just really it looks absolutely fantastic and for the bonus point it gets the full bonus point i have found out on the next couple of days i've been I've, I've rewatched this movie multiple times, but I've been singing the songs from it. They are catchy. They're fun. And, like, I almost have all of the songs memorized at this point. The, the only thing that... So it gets the whole full bonus point for me. And for those of you counting at home, I'll just go ahead and add it up for you. It got 10 out of 10 for me. I know a lot of people are going to be like, Oh, you're just saying 10 out of 10 because you really like Bob's Burgers and and oh you're just biased and everything but based on my grading rubric that's how i had to give it it does all those things and the one thing that i was going to say is a little bit of a knock on it was the fact that at first going into it i was afraid like i put off watching this for a little while i was afraid that it was going to fall into the same type of thing that most animated movies do where they take something that's so good in these little 30 minute segments and they try to stretch it out to an hour and a half and it just loses a lot of the kind of 
I guess, magic that you would normally get. So that's something that I personally was afraid of, but it does a good job of staying fresh throughout the entire thing. I think that's where the whole different plots kind of come in and help it kind of kind of carry in any of the parts that it might seem slow. It didn't feel like anything was forced. So personally, I thought this was I thought they did a good job of that. I thought that this movie was great. I really think that you should go watch it if you ever have any of the time. It is absolutely fantastic. I know that a lot of people may not if Bob's Burgers may not be their thing, but it's something that I feel like if you have the time, if you want to watch a movie that was it's a TV show also, but it's a good movie. It looks good. Even if you don't like Bob's Burgers, it's still a good movie. It's got good music. And I would highly recommend you take the time out of your day to go watch this. Go see it. It's on Hulu. If you have Hulu, please watch it. It's amazing. And I just hope that all of you watch it. And it even has a death count in it. It has a singular death count. So that's that's something else too. But that's all for this week's review. Thank you so much to everyone who decided to stop by and listen. I really enjoyed this movie. I had a lot of fun reviewing it, and I'm I'm probably going to go listen to the songs from it now. <laughs> but thank you once again for everyone who decided to stop by and listen. I'm so thankful that any anybody who's still here is still listening. And shout out to Anchor for sponsoring this podcast. It hasn't been too consistent recently, but... So thank you to everyone who decided to stop by. I really appreciate it. And remember, if a pipe ever bursts in front of your restaurant, always make sure you got an olive bar. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Daddy did a good job. Kind of, right? Aw, Banna. I love Bannas. Are we dead set on burgers? I mean, is it too late to change that? Oh, yeah. We could do wraps. Or soup. Mm -hmm. So Bob soup and wraps has a certain sound to it. Oh my god, everyone, back inside, back inside. Never mind. Thank you, Teddy. Olive bar! Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Dad, you have a pee spot. That's not a pee spot. It's from water. See? All the water. But thanks, Dana. It's right where a pee spot would be, and no other parts are wet. Um, okay.